0: Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's soon to be former D3 student-athlete and co-host. Ryan, jam, two-hand monster flush. Off the inbound, Ryan, jam, slam, jam. Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. Plenty of topics to run through this week, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for real life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders serves its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders is a team of people who will be in close communication with you, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. It's funny. We're in that odd spot. College hoops is mostly fading into the rearview mirror. College football is buzzing a little because of spring ball, but there isn't a ton there to talk up. The NFL draft is next week. Golf season, playing and watching is here. Baseball, the NBA, and NHL are all rolling. All at once, there's a lot to potentially talk about, and yet, it takes us a few days longer now to figure out our topics of the week. The convergence of seasons brings us a lot, but yet, nothing as fun or meaty to talk about as college hoops and college football. Let's just face it. Such is life of a couple of college hoops and college football junkies, golf fanatics, mid-level NFL fans, and can really care much else about the rest guys. We've still managed to find plenty to chat about, though, so buckle up for the ride. Let's go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, Andy. I mean, right now we're kind of in that lull, so uh, glad spring ball is in the air. Uh, Michigan State's got got their uh, spring game this Saturday, um, so Mel Tucker can kind of showcase the boys. Uh, Looking forward to that, but yeah, I'm going to start off with uh, news. Yesterday, Josh Langford came out with a statement saying that he's going to hang up. uh, The basketball shoes for a career. Uh, I just want to say congrats to Josh on a great career. I mean, what a long, winding road it has been for him. I mean, injury after injury almost had to call it quits because of his foot injuries. Um, I mean, obviously not the career he envisioned at Michigan State in terms of smoothness and just straight-up consistency, but I mean, I thought he did a great job prevailing through all that junk and uh, getting to the finish line. I mean, after his freshman year, we thought that he'd be a three-year guy um, with a lot of pro potential and then gets hurt um, in his sophomore year and then obviously plays junior. Year, so, I mean, what, whatever. I mean, I think this is a good decision for Josh. I mean, doing this for health reasons. He wants to be able to walk when he's older, uh, play with his kids. So I think this is really good by him. Obviously, he kind of saw the writing on the wall that he could get hurt again and be a long, long way back to – uh, back to normal after that and I really feel for the guy though I mean he ended his career on his own terms which is what he kind of preached in his his little sermon that he wrote um, about his basketball career which is really good instead of having a career take it from him so congrats Josh you're a great Spartan Um, glad that you um, played for Michigan State for four years and uh, was there for five so congrats
0: yeah ditto that Um, such a great representative of everything that's right in college athletes and in sports and while not at the same level his path with kind of the injury when he had so many chances to flourish but yet still had some bright moments reminds me a little bit of yours Ryan at Hope with your you know missing the equivalent of a season in your first three with injuries and then your COVID shortened year Um, hats off to you Josh you're going to do well in whatever you do hopefully it has something to do with basketball because I think you've got a lot of knowledge to impart there Alright, for me, well, it's not an Andy podium without bitching about some form of cancel culture, so with the news out this week from the USGA around spectators woohoo, for the men's and women's US Open, I thought I'd open a new can of worms. Shocker. First, here's the drill for attendance at the US Open being held in June at Torrey Pines. You know, the place where Tiger beat Rocco Media in an epic battle that went to overtime on one leg. Anyway, Per the release, state of California residents must show proof that vaccination against COVID-19 has occurred at least 14 days prior to the championships or that a negative test result has been received. And it will be mandatory for all out-of-state fans, all, to provide proof that vaccination against COVID-19 has occurred at least 14 days prior to the championship. Crickets on whether a test is good enough because it's not. Fans, workers, volunteers, you'll have to wear face coverings on site at all times. Um, Let's peel that statement apart a little bit. All right, look, I'm all for the vaccine for those who choose to get it. It's undoubtedly right for a whole lot of people for a whole lot of reasons, but as someone who already had COVID, I don't need someone else to tell me I have to have the vaccination to attend a freaking sporting event, especially one that's outside. Those in favor may argue, hey, you want a choice, we're giving you one. You're free to choose whether attending this this event is important enough for you to get a vaccine. I'll argue that um, no, that is not freedom choice. One freedom shouldn't be dependent on a forced choice. And who made California its own country where they can pick and choose who gets vaccinated versus who only needs a test? Whatever. You want me to get tested before I enter the grounds? Great. If I want to choose to attend, that's a fair ask. It's a test. There's no potential other consequence, minus maybe a bloody nose or a headache. And at least it's only minimally invasive versus something I know not nearly enough about to trust, to choose, just to see a sporting event. To make people get a COVID vaccine to attend is a slippery slope. You don't make me get a flu shot to go to a game or event. I don't need to prove I've been vaccinated against chickenpox. Give me a break. And as for those who've been vaccinated, still having to wear a mask at an outdoor event, why the hell get a vaccine if we're, quote, really not sure enough of how much it works, so you still have to wear a mask anyway? I get it, CYA. CYA up to wazoo. But this is ridiculous, and sadly, what I predict sports and entertainment will probably do going forward. Guess my bucket list better never include anything with fans again, huh? All right. I know y'all like it when I rant a little bit, so I'll have to come up with another one for next week. Uh, moving on to our tea up of the week. I'm gonna tell you who, what, and why. Because the who is me. Why not because I'm bitching about cancel culture and COVID vaccines. No, it's because I did not have the balls to lay even $10 or or 100 on plus 13,000 odds on Stuart sink at the Heritage last week. I bet a dollar. I did win $130 on that measly dollar bet, but the next time my gut is that strong on a guy who fared well the week before, has won this season, and has won the event a few times prior, shoot me if I don't go bigger than a buck. I'm sitting here wishing I had even put 10 to win 1,300, let alone 100 bucks to win 13,000. That would That's a lot of green to cover a lot of college education that I still have to pay for. So I'm teeing myself up on that uh, that scared ass bet that I made. <laughs> All right. Now let's get to what you all like to hear. Let's go around the world. Spot number one, we got to keep it real with College Hoops because, you know, that's what we're all about primarily. So, this week in College Hoops. Ryan, what are your thoughts on what's going on?
1: Yeah, last week we kind of touched on the Arizona job and who we thought was going to get that, um, and we were kind of right. Tommy Lloyd, former Gonzaga Associate Head Coach, is now the coach um, already making some noise down there at Arizona. So... Maybe a good hire um, in Tucson. Uh, Thomas Kiddier, um former Michigan State Spartan, now turned Valparaiso Crusader. Uh, the other day, um, just announced that commitment. Uh, good for Thomas. Uh, hopefully, he'll do great things there. I mean that. I think that fits his his um, his athleticism a little more. Not necessarily his skill, but his 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 net his athletic. His gifts, really. Um, Prowess. His prowess, for sure. I mean, he'll be better uh, down there in the uh, Missouri Valley, so that'll be good for him. Uh, Tanner Groves, former Eastern Washington star who went crazy in this tournament against Kansas, is now going to be playing against Kansas at least twice next year, um, playing for the Oklahoma Sooners and Coach Porter Moser. Um, I think this could be a big get for Oklahoma. Uh, This could be a crutwig-like situation for Coach Moser. Uh, I was trying to build something down there in Oklahoma. I already love to see what he's doing. Just love him as a coach. Um, another big Michigan State thing. Yesterday, Foster Lawyer entered the transfer portal. Uh, maybe not a surprise to most. A little later than you would have thought, but um, becomes the, I think that's the that
0: fourth. Four? And uh, a la the Baltimore, Baltimore Colts leaving under the cover of night. Yep, they just uh, dropped it late last night, it. kind of
1: on the down low that he was taken off yep and so he's out so we'll see where he ends up i would imagine somewhere like oakland uh maybe somewhere in the mac like toledo uh western or central um maybe even at loyola chicago with coach drew valentine so best of luck to foster um he's a good spartan um just didn't work out for him um couple transfer portal uh Uh, names that just committed this week and both to the same school Garrison Brooks of North Carolina and DJ Jeffries of uh, Memphis both going to Mississippi State to play for Coach Howland. Big gets for them two bigger guys, bigger forwards uh, probably will be good for Mississippi State and and the SEC there SEC is going to be loaded Yeah, the SEC is going to be something else next year we'll touch on that I'm sure later but I mean lots of transfers going there good recruits, really good coaches young coaches and uh, yeah, it's, it's looking fun down there in the, uh, in the Old South. Uh, Trent Frazier announced the other day he's coming back for a fifth year to Illinois. That's a big, big step for them. I mean, obviously scoring um, veteran. Um, he's been there before, so that's a big comeback for them. But also losing Kofi to the NBA. Uh, he didn't say if he's going to hire an agent or not, but I'm guessing he will. Um, so that's obviously a blow to that. Um, Trent Frazier coming back and then maybe having a decent year next year so we'll see with the uh, fighting line Illini um, former Rutgers big man Miles Johnson commits to UCLA and that's I think that's a huge pickup for them gives them rim protection a veteran in the middle a guy that's really good and a really smart player and just a smart guy in general um, gives UCLA a lot of size to go with Cody Riley down there I'm sure they got some. Other oh, really good players, so I mean, they could. I, I think they're preseason top five next year for sure. Yeah, I mean, if, if they
0: don't have anybody leave, they got to be primed to make uh, a Juzang run. Zhang
1: just entered the draft, but oh, did, did not hire an agent right. today. So, I'm guessing he'll just kind of go through the process there and see uh, what where he's at. Um, I'm guessing he won't leave. So, watch out for the Bruins next year and Coach Cronin. Uh, C.J. Frederick, former Iowa Hawkeye, entered the portal the other day as well. That's a big loss for Iowa. Um, they're basically losing everybody. I think the only guy yeah, coming coming back that has played was Keegan Murray. I mean, uh, I mean Garza obviously has gone. Wieskamp is in the draft. Um, could come back, but I don't think he will. He might be a late first round pick, early second. I don't know how much he can improve his stock. Uh, Nunji's going to Xavier. Uh, Bohannon's done. So, uh, and uh, maybe Conor Caffrey's coming back. I forgot about him. He doesn't really do anything. I saw a
0: big boy from Minnesota. Uh, what's his name? Yep, uh,
1: uh, Robbins is going to Vandy. Yeah, that's his third
0: transfer because yep, he started at Drake, he's right? He's following
1: his uncle there who um, was released from his job at Minnesota. Oh, that makes sense. Um, huh? Sticking with the Big Ten, uh, John Harar, who we thought could be a guy Michigan State goes after in the portal, is returning to Penn State, and that helps their cause, um, Coach Strawberry, whatever his name is. Shrewsbury. Shrewsbury, whatever. I still don't know what his name is. But uh, big, the big news yesterday, um, the number one consensus number one player in the class of 2021, Chet Holmgren commits to Gonzaga, making them the odds-on favorite to win it all next year. They, they're going to be really good again, but could it be for another national runner-up? Maybe. I, I
0: read that a good analogy for him is like he's like the asparagus on top of the ice cream, not the cherry because he's so damn skinny. He's a unicorn, seven-one with yeah, seven-five wingspan. He's got that, you know, that unique skill set. But we got one of those unicorns at Michigan State too, and you all know who I'm talking about. And he finally got it going at the very end last year. So I, it remains to be seen. I saw him battle uh, Imani early in the season. I think it was both their opener. They're both string beans, super skinny. But I mean, he's the consensus number one player in his class. So. Either way, the rich get richer there at Gonzaga. So. Yeah, and
1: then I'll end with uh, how Mike Woodson, Indiana, kind of getting a lot of momentum. I mean, I think they got a flip from Arizona to Indiana, uh, four-star recruit shooter. And then today, Miller Cop uh, announced he is transferring to IU as well. Career thirty-six. Oh man, that's a shooter. brilliant fit for
0: Indiana basketball. And they could right
1: be really on the upswing um next year i think early sleeper pick for next year yeah yeah we said that (laughs) you said that this year exactly terrible but um yeah they they have a lot of pieces It's a matter of getting them to work together and you know kind of coach them. hopefully maybe losing archie and his average coaching and decision making will help them kind of get over the hump so we will see with that yeah that's i
0: did had not heard that so I was out like, chucking the portal for some moves today. And it's funny, the Miles Johnson one is one that I don't think got a whole ton of play, but just an underrated, you know, lunch pail guy, which means he'll fit perfectly with UCLA Absolutely. because they they kind of pattern themselves after Izzo's programs at Michigan State, and he's the type of guy that'll play there. He doesn't care if he scores a lot of points, can score, but he's more of a rim protector, rebounder, good defender, super smart. I think he was an engineering major at Rutgers. Ryan covered most of the things that I had down as notes. I had a little bit more, you know, Arizona, big land with Tommy Lloyd. I thought they'd stay in the fam, but, I mean, I didn't realize he was a 20-year guy with Mark Few. Um, By the way, if you're an Athletic subscriber, great article today with Few. Literally went from Indian in kind of the tough loss in the national championship game to – um, as our boy Polo was on a month or so ago talking about how he liked to fly fish, he went on a two-week fly fishing trip, kind of totally shut it down. Um, but a great interview put it in perspective. You know, we could act like we went one in thirty-one or that we went thirty-one and one and we just lost the championship g- team game to a team that was angrier than us. He said they weren't better than us, but he's like they were angry and they. He's like I, I wasn't prepared for that. We weren't prepared for that, but that's a great read. I highly recommend you read it. He talks a little bit about, you know, the guy that Suggs was getting kind of these five-star top players, and then you know Suggs obviously declaring for the draft. He's got to be a top three pick, I would say. Um, you know, getting a home grant, I think they have another five-star. They're just looking at the transfer portal too, just like everybody else playing that game. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Michigan State does now with those scholarships. They're comfortably, obviously, for the three they got coming in. Is that a signal that Amani's gonna maybe come? Don't know. Um, are they gonna maybe go back after Hard, the guy, you know, the big guy from Canada that had bailed on him um, and reopened his commitment? You know, it's hard to say, but we'll we'll keep on top of basketball just because we're basketball junkies, and I don't think it really ever sleeps, especially with the transfer portal. Um, the only other thing that I had was, um, you know, Cincinnati was smart; they quickly doused the dumpster fire that they had burning without a whole lot of negative attention, and they got uh, UNC Greensboro's West Miller. Great coach, <coughs> excuse me. He's led this, uh, the Spartans to two of the last four NCAA tournaments. Uh, he knows how to coach winners. Coached quite a few championship teams there in his in his league. I think he'll do really well. Change the culture up again, uh, back to where it was. It was really good with Cronin. Obviously, kind of fell apart um, with the with his replacement. And then, you know, hopefully, West Miller gets them back on track because a, a strong Cincinnati is a quote mid major is a good thing. The last thing too, uh, MSU move. So last week when we were talking, or in the last couple weeks, Fife, um, you know, went to Indiana. Obviously things are looking up there for him. Uh, His replacement is Doug Wojcik, I believe is who it was. Ryan, is that what we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, You know, he's got experience with Izzo. He left and ran his own program, I believe, at Tulsa. Um, You know, then he's been back as an advisor. I think. You know some people were like why not go outside the program it's time to go outside the program i personally think continuity is good for a program like michigan state um obviously he kind of did go outside because he's been outside and came back right so it's it's somebody that um i think will be a good fit with the rest of the staff and be a good addition and another basketball one too stan Heath, former michigan state and tom Izzo mm. assistant um, taking the job at his alma mater, Eastern Michigan, yeah, so be interesting if Spartans play Eastern again. Um, Monty's out of the out of the MAC now, but uh, could have been a whole bunch of reunion stuff with uh, Michigan State coaches. So, all right, moving on to spot two, switch up sports, and I'll start with this one. What would you do to fix the college football playoff? So here's my take. If FCS, which is playing right now. I don't know if you knew that or not. I haven't exactly caught any games, but I catch kind of some stories here or there, especially because Neon Dion has had some early success with his team. But if they can have a 24-team playoff, this year it's only 16, but usually a 24-team playoff, why can't the big boys do it? It's time to bite the bullet and make an all-in change. Not six teams, not eight, 16. 24 That's too much, I think, for D1, but 16 feels right. And let's ditch or limit to one, the FCS are super small, barely D1 schools from the schedule. I mean, it's ridiculous these cupcakes that the SEC brings on in November, for example. You know, let's let's let that take more of the debate out of the 16. The power conferences, there's five of them, all have enough teams to play 10 league games. Start there, play 10 league games. From there, and thanks my buddy Chris for this idea, Use the NFL scheduling tool to figure out how to fill in the other two games. Not more than one from the same conference and make it one power five and one group of five. Sorry, FCS, I know you get some of your money um, from the big boys, but you, know, you have your own tournament. It's time for D1 FBS to have their own tournament. So you got your 10 league games plus another power five and one group of five. More than enough teams to make that happen. Best team plays um, the best from the year before and so on down the line, just like they do in the NFL. Need help? Call Kevin Paga from MSU. He's a scheduling genius. He's come up with so many different scenarios. I am sure overnight he could probably whip up a spreadsheet that has a schedule in place. No more of this. What did I see last week? Uh, a plan for two schools, and I don't even remember what they were, to play like in 2035 and 2039 and 2042. Are you, are you kidding? What? I mean... We're scheduling games that far in advance that probably will get canceled anyway. No, we need to make this on a shorter notice. It'd be better for TV, a lot of different reasons. So anyway, that out of the way, that's one way I'd fix it. And now onto the playoff. Each of the power five and group of five champions gets a slot. That leaves six at large berths. I won't get into the criteria for those, but let's just say it should be drawn from the pool of conference championship game runners up. I think that's your starting point. That would give new meaning to last four out, that's for sure, because if your pool is you got 20 teams in those 10 leagues vying for a championship, and then you got 10 runners up, you got six of them that are going to make the playoff. Um, Seeding can be done using any variety of what's been done or is being done. I don't really care. That doesn't matter as much to me. I trust it for the big dance, I'd trust it here too. You'll figure it out. Bottom line is you got 16 of the 20 best teams, arguably or inarguably, in my opinion, in the nation. Round one would be played at the home stadium of the top eight seeds. The second Saturday in December, sorry Army, Navy, you'd have to share a little bit of your your spotlight. Uh, The quarters would be played in these four bowl games, Fiesta, Cotton, Orange, Peach, on the third Saturday in December. So right away already, you're talking probably two games outside of exam time, so don't give me that BS excuse. Oh, student-athletes, too many games. Whatever. Wrong semis would be played in these two bowl games the rose and the sugar every year don't ra- rotate this crap rose and sugar get the semis there on new year's day traditional new year's day if you want to sprinkle in other things like the outback and the citrus bowl and you know gator bowl and some of those things to also still have on new year's day i'm totally fine with that i'm not saying to get rid of the, the rest of the bowl games i would cut those down but um championship would be played in the city that hosted the previous year's super bowl so think next year it would be tampa because that's where it was this year, and so on and so forth, on the second Saturday. Remember this Monday bullshit of January. That makes landing a Super Bowl that much bigger. You get two title games in a year. The rest of the bowl games can remain if necessary, though, like I said, I'd cut the amount back by probably six to eight and make it so only teams with at least seven, and preferably eight wins, get in. No more of this five and seven stuff because they've got a high (laughs) APR. No. It's got to be a way to get there that's positive. I don't get why we don't fix it. The money revenue would be out the roof for something like this. It would reignite fan interest um, You know, in a sport where like we've talked several times over the last couple months of doing this podcast where it's kind of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and, and a smattering of a couple of others. Spread it out. Spread the love. You might still have kind of the same four in the semis every year. Great, but let them play it out to get there because, as we know, anything can happen in any game. I've seen a lot of that myself. Ryan, that was a lot, but yeah. what would you do? No,
1: I like I like what you said. That was good. I Honestly, I'm, I, I'd be for an 18 playoff. I think that that eventually is going to be the move um, that the committee comes up with. I think that's probably going to be best and eventually probably make that bigger to maybe 16. Um, but I think that um, the perfect criteria for, if we're going to go to eight, would be the Power Five conference winners, um, one group of five, and then two at large, um, and then have on-campus quarterfinals, like you said. I think that'd be a really cool touch uh, that second week there in in December. Um, you know, I think I like your idea of just having clear-cut bowls that they're gonna do um, and use, like say, the Rose and the Cotton Bowl for the semifinals every year, and then switch it out for the national championship, like they do. Um, you know, I think something that would really help the, the college football playoff, um, you know, viewership and stuff. I think that. I know ESPN has this lucrative deal with college football. They pretty much own it. They, they, Yeah, they own it. I mean, they're going to own the SEC here in a couple of years, which is, in, I mean, they already love the SEC, so it's going to be more of a gushy-gushy over the SEC. But I think having different channels broadcast, like CBS and Fox, I think that would be a really cool touch, um, having that kind of like NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously, uh, Turner owns all those that um, do the – instead of, like, tournament, but still, I think it's cool to have it on different channels instead of just on ESPN every time or ABC, Um, but coming up with clear-cut criteria for inclusion, for example, I mean, conference champions get in, um, having a certain number of big wins, um, you know, just kind of coming up with that, or finishing runner-up in your conference championship, no, I mean, we we saw Alabama, um, I think that was my freshman year, so 2017, they didn't even make their conference championship, and they won the national championship, I mean, just stuff like that, I mean, that obviously they're a great team and obviously deserve to win, but still that just, they just one slip up and they didn't make it and then, uh, then they still won it all. So, I mean, just coming up with clear cut criteria would really help that out, I think. And I think in the next two or three years, we will start to see um, the CFP committee kind of hone in on these different details here and drag it in and kind of maybe recreate the wheel here. So, uh, maybe that'll be the next up-and-coming thing um, with college football.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they we've talked about it here. They've got to do something. I mean, it's never going to match March Madness. Nothing in the world of sports will. That brings in more casual or non-fans than anything, especially now that sports betting is legal in the United States. I mean, so many all the pools that everybody was doing anyway are legal. Nobody has to risk getting fired or whatever for that kind of stuff. Um, I just, (laughs) I just think that college football has got a bigger fan base and they've got a bigger thing going for them. So why not just go all in and make a change? Don't even, don't pussyfoot around and, and onesie twosie it and, oh, maybe we'll do this. No, just rip off the bandaid and, and come up with some semblance of the plan I did. I mean, I literally put that plan together. I probably thought about it a little bit, but I, it took me five minutes to write it down, which bowls to use, how to, how to schedule your games, I mean, I'm sure there's more nuance to it, but I, I just, I don't see, I see fan interest waning more and more quickly if they don't fix it, especially because there's so many choices of things That's to foolish. watch. All right. Spot number three, new feature. It's golf season. We love golf. I don't want to turn this into a golf podcast. There's a lot of those and frankly, not everybody that listens is probably a golf listener. So if you don't like golf, skip spot three. Skip the spot for. Um, don't know it'll always be in spot three, but we'll give you fair warning. But our new weekly feature is a weekly golf course review pending we play. It's supposed to snow in Michigan here today. So, um, one caveat we mostly play in Michigan. So, you're going to have to base this on either being in Michigan listening to this or coming to Michigan to visit, where we have something like the third most golf courses per capita in the United States, I believe um anyway next month we're going to play on hilton head island so we'll get a couple of out of michigan courses and then in june uh hopefully we'll play in portland maine home of ryan's uh, first career stop working on a corn fairy tour event of all things which is pretty sweet um we'll keep track maybe we'll post these ratings to our twitter so it's a go-to reference for you get our followership up but Ryan, we'll start with you. You played an early season round at the best course I've ever played, Arcadia Bluffs. And I've, I've played some decent ones, but Arcadia Bluffs, Barnon, best course I've played. So give us a high level, what makes it so good, what's the best hole, what hole maybe you'd change or replace or skip if you could. Um, might not be appropriate for a course like that, but scale of one to five, one being dog meat, five being the best thing ever. Rate the course for greens, scenery, variety, and overall. And then um, I'll give you a look at a local Grand Rapids course that Ryan and I last played um, this past weekend, but I'll start with Ryan and Arcadia
1: Bluffs. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I mean, there's a reason why this golf course is consistently ranked in the top 25 courses in the United States, period. I mean, it's always a pleasure to get to go up to Arcadia. I mean, obviously, in the middle of literally nowhere, um, way, way up there, almost to uh, Sleeping Bear Dunes, a couple-hour drive from here in Holland, um, you know. Just uh, once you get there, I mean, you get that feeling like, oh, you're at somewhere special. And every time I've been there, uh, this is my third time playing the Bluffs course. Uh, played the South course a couple times also, but nothing beats this. I mean, it's on a different level. You can't beat the views. I mean, the course was in, like, you can wouldn't compare it to. I mean, anything I I've, I've played during this time of the year. I mean, like, it, it seems like it's in. It's June or July up there. I mean, it's so well kept, uh, so fast and firm even for a mid-April round. I mean, it was 45 degrees max. I mean, pretty windy, not terrible with the sun out. But, I mean, greens fast as always, such a great mix of holes. I mean, there's not one hole that I would replace on that golf course. Um, Just so different. I mean, the way that they're cut. I mean, pop bunkers everywhere, undulated greens, uh, false fronts. I mean, you, you name it, they're, they're, they they're have it. Um, unbelievable. Wind was brutal, though. I mean, on a couple of the holes, especially down by the lake, whipping the ball around, I had a shot that literally probably went 40 yards. It probably would have gone about 150 um, because of the wind literally took it and threw it down, which is crazy. Uh, I could go to this course over and over again, five out of five every single time I go there. I mean, my, I think my favorite hole um, is number 11 going down towards the water par five downhill. Unbelievable. Um, 12 not bad either with the view right there over the bluff, but, um, yeah, unbelievable course. Um, I would recommend at least playing it once in your life if you haven't. I mean, my buddies and I who had never been there, uh, shout out Jeff Logue and Kyle, um, they absolutely loved it and were blown away by the, uh, by the views and just the course in general. And, um, Definitely want to go back there again as soon as possible. Yeah, and if you could score an April round or
0: a, you know, like mid-September, later round, kind of, you know, it's a little bit more dicey. It's a little cooler and stuff. You're you're looking more like at a $90 rate versus the, the rack rate, which is about 210 high season. But I will say Dutch cheap or not, it's worth a 210 high season. Go up there, Absolutely. play the south course too. Totally different, not on the lake, but just another spectacular course. Um yeah, I mean, you just my personal favorite, I would say 11, except for I don't know that I've gotten anything better than 11 on that hole. It's so damn hard. Um, number five for me, a little dog leg, mm-hmm. downhill par five with a three-tiered green that I think the first time I played there I five-putted. Uh, but that got, that's the first taste where you go really down towards like Lake Michigan sweet hole. So I, I'm going to bring us back to earth to more of a hacker's course. Uh, Ryan and I played Wallenwood Springs in Jenison, Michigan on Sunday um high level yeah it's average at best a couple tough holes definitely not a lot of eye candy like arcadia or some other courses up north uh you know 13 to 18 gives you a little bit a little bit of a different look it's kind of you feel like you're on a different course maybe a smidge of eye candy i'd give it maybe a five with beer goggles um the traps have a lot of grass and rocks in them we live on boulder creek i'm sure we'll review that at some point in time there's lots of pebbles in the sand and the crappy bunkers there these are flat out rocks as big as golf balls um the three holes that run along the grand river are a total crap shoot for good grass um and not bad this time because the river hasn't flooded yet but um even so good luck finding a decent lie in or out of the fairway that is if you find it i found the river i think on each of those holes uh, over to the right <coughs> best hole. From my mind, barn on number 16, long par 4. Water from the main, from the man-made lake, juts in from the left, um, in and around the landing zones. Uh, I found a pond on the right, though that really probably shouldn't have been in play. You get kind of a little feel for how I played that day. A lot of rights. Um, the green there is well protected and feels small. That's that's a good golf hole on a, you know an otherwise average course. The hole I'd skip is actually three. The three with a river right and trouble left. I'm not that accurate, and the condition of those holes is akin to a cow pasture at best, so eh, they kind of have to have them, but 10, 11, 12, they could toss those out and you could just make it a 15-hole course. Scale of 1 to 5, rating the course for greens, kind of hard to rank on speed and condition at this time of the year. Style's okay. It's a fairly common designer around West Michigan. I think it's the same guy that did Boulder. I think he did Gray Walls up in Marquette, so... A similar, you know, lots of tiering, um, you know, different shapes to them, you know. So not bad. I'll I'll go a three there. Scenery, pretty average. A lot of houses and condos on the course and spots. Uh, Some good, some, (coughs) excuse me, some blah. I'll go a two five there. Variety, another 2.5 here. A mix of good and bad in the variety of the holes that they give you. Um, Overall, it's not a bad place to chop it up for something different. Not the worst place I've played in this area or in general by a stre- by any stretch, um, but overall I'd probably just give it a two and a half out of one one out of five. I mean, there's a lot better courses to spend your money in the Grand Rapids in the West Michigan area for sure. Um, so I'd say it's average, something to try once a year, but probably not a place I would ever go with any frequency. All right, so that's our new feature, given course ratings. Um, if you got a course you want us to play. Within reason um, and rate, hit us up on Twitter. We'd love to do it. Um, we'll come at you with at least two from South Carolina in May, and, and we'll get some hoping to get up to Forest Dunes this summer and hit some other good courses around. So,
1: and if he wants to showcase to any sort of private club, we wouldn't be opposed to playing. Yeah, if
0: you want a favorable wink wink rating on a private club, a Muskegon Country Club would be a good one. Donald Ross just purchased by uh, the consortium that owns Makatawa and. Um, Thousand Oaks Red and water, yeah. you know the Red water group. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're open to that, you know, little free sponsorship tip for tat. We'll come play golf. we'll give you a good review. We don't even need any sponsorship money. We just want to play some G. All right, so spot number four, um, because as you've learned over the last month and a half or so, we love Mount Rushmore. Um, we're gonna go with a sports bucket list, Mount Rushmore. So, (laughs) i.e., what four events or sports trips you've never been to or on but want to take on um, that would make up your sports bucket list, Mount Rushmore. So there's probably, for both of us, way more than four. Uh, It's not a draft. This time it's just a straight up, we'll go back and forth, the four things you most want to do in the sports world. Um, Like I said, last week we drafted. We'll just go pick by pick this week. Um, It'll be interesting to see what we have the same or, or different. So I'll start off here. Um, Mind you, I've been lucky enough to have some gigs that have allowed me to get to some cool events, especially in college football. And I've been to some good, you know, epic college basketball games as well. But there's a lot out there. Um, Before I start, as a follow-up to my rant uh, or podium, this is based on not having people boss me around and put any stipulations on my choices. So obviously this would maybe change if they're going to force me to do something I don't want to do. We already hashed that out, though. All right, so on to the picks. I'll go first, then Ryan, then we'll go back and forth. My first pick, and this is because I'm still kicking myself for not going. When Michigan State played Stanford in 2014, it's the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's got to include the Spartans, um, but the Rose Bowl is at the top of my sports bucket, Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, uh I also have that on my list um, but I'll go with another one just happened a couple of weeks ago the Masters I think that would be so cool to just walk Augusta and uh, just soak in that scenery I mean no phones on the course so it's all like just in your head and you get to see that and just feel that feel that energy preferably on like a Sunday where Tiger's making a charge or something like that that would be insane yeah and
0: full a full house of patrons that would be pretty sweet I've got that too we'll talk about that and when when i get to that pick my pick two i'm going two week golf trip to scotland and and or ireland to play as many british course british open rota courses as possible i know that's not it's not an event per se but that is absolutely on my bucket list i think when ryan gets enough green in his pocket that he owes that to
1: dad for all my basketball (sighs) coaching so that's my Uh, second pick yeah my second um Michigan State has to be in it and have a chance to do it but and win it all, but I think the Final Four and then the National Championship would be insane. Um, down in Indy, that would be really cool just to – in Naptown and where Michigan State's won it before. I just think that would be so cool to just soak in that environment and the, the pageantry and just all the people that love love hoops. Yeah, it would have it would have been really cool to go in Detroit
0: when Michigan State made the Final Four there. I know uh, we know somebody who put a counterfeit ticket and paid twice the amount to be able to go to that uh semi-game MSU Connecticut but that would have been crazy I've actually had a chance to go to the final four and chickened out because the nosebleed at the very top of the um Lucas Oil was like 375 and I was not (laughs) about to pay for that um I'm a little too Dutch for that but I definitely that's that's something that's in my my honorable mention for sure Um, my pick number three I'm sticking with golf I'm going with one that Ryan did I got to go over the weekend at the Masters, like he said, to be there. No cell phone, walk the grounds, just feel the undulations. You can see it more and more on TV when you hear people talk about it, but TV doesn't do the, the grounds justice there, minus the azaleas, which are gorgeous. But I just would want to go soak in the beauty, drool and dream over a round there that would never happen. What would I hit on the shot? Blah, blah, blah. Um, plus, I'm sure we could make a good golf trip out of it. Shout out Tom um, just played... Used to be called Reynolds Plantation Courses. Now it's Reynolds something on a lake down in Georgia because he was supposed to go to the Masters, but their tickets got deferred and said that there is some mighty, incredible golf down there to be played as well. Ryan, how about pick number three for you? Yeah, I'm going
1: <coughs> to go a little bit outside of what we talked about here. Um, Army, Navy. Um, oh, I think that'd yeah. That would just be so cool. Um, the, the little uh, battle there between the, um, the armed forces, that would be so crazy, uh, so cool. Um, always watching on TV. Um, everyone gets up for that one. Get, everyone's crazy. All the fans are. That'd be really fun.
0: Yeah, I didn't even, that one didn't even dawn on me, but I'm absolutely, I'd be all in for that. That just, just the pageantry of that game. It's a game that I always watch. I've had a few cousins go to West Point. Um, not necessarily play football, but, so I'm always rooting for, Go, you know, go Army. But um, that one's, that one's special for, you know, lots of different reasons. My pick four. Uh, it's a bit of a cheat. It's a little bit of a catch-all, but the first of whichever of these happens: catch the Lions in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. Stanley Cup. Well, this is not the first time it would happen, but Stanley Cup Finals Game Seven featuring the Red Wings. I just we've talked about that before. That being the second best playoff thing to to March Madness or World Series Game Seven featuring the Tigers. I had tickets for the World Series the last time they were in it, uh, and that was when they got swept by the Giants, I had Game 5 tickets. Um, that that would be pretty sweet to catch any of those three as a pretty much lifelong Michigander. Um, yeah, I mean, so many good things, though. I mean, what else? What's your number four, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I had the, won the adverse, the Rose Bowl. Um, hopefully Michigan State doesn't take 27 years to go back. Huh. Um, so hopefully, hoping here in the next 10 years That would be really cool Go down to Pasadena and just soak that in I mean the granddaddy of them all for a reason um, Just insane Everyone watches it It's literally on a national holiday But it, it's a national holiday in itself
0: I, On a bright note We did pass it up that year So that we could go on a family trip to Maui A few months later So yeah, not, not a bad trade It's not like we just didn't go because we were cheap We just spent the money somewhere else a um, couple of other things for me, you know, I've been to, I'm not a big racing fan at all, but I lived in, in Indy and I was there for t- pole day and I've been there for carburetor day and stuff. It's not quite what it was, but it would be cool to sit on pit row at the Indianapolis 500 just because of the, you know, what that event means. That's one of the few auto racing events I'll actually turn on and watch during a year. Daytona 500 would also be sweet. I've done the tour of the track there. That's pretty cool. Again, not a big car racing fan, but those are kind of some bucket list type of things. Um, one, I think Ryan and I have talked about if it ever works out is making a probably a Michigan State game in every Big Ten football and basketball arena. Um, that's pretty doable. Been I've been to a fair amount already myself. Not as much basketball as football, but so many great things to choose from. So don't make us get a vaccine because I don't want to just have to soak these all in watching on TV. Or I just turn them all into golf because you don't need a vaccine to go play golf. True. All right, spot number five. Um, we've taken this a lot of ways today, which has been fun. Um, let's go back to some hoops here for a minute. Top of mind for us because of the absolute incredible tear Steph Curry is on um, as one of the best shooters we've ever seen, period. I mean, he's making more threes than teams in the last couple of weeks. Just insane. Um, I've got you know more than double the window that Ryan has for this particular View of shooters, but let's start with him, right Your top five Big Ten shooters in your lifetime.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna start with a guy that played a couple of years ago for our mission State Spartans. Number five, Bryn Forbes. I mean, this guy was lights out um, his senior year. I mean, the dude. I think shot like 45% from three. Made 11 threes in a game against Rutgers. 11 for 13 in that game. I mean, the dude was. He just has a pure stroke. Still does. I mean, catch and shoot, running off a screen. The dude has feet set. It was probably going in the hoop. Um, unbelievable display he would put on. He could get hot real quick. Um, definitely one of my favorites to watch. A guy, um, I remember watching when I was in elementary school and early um, middle school, John Diebler from Ohio State. That dude could just flat out shoot. I think he's the record, Big Ten record for threes made in a career. Um, absolute sniper. Um, for the Buckeyes down there in Columbus. Um, Another guy in there, Duncan Robinson, obviously tearing up in the NBA. Um, Another guy that just gets his feet set. It's probably going in the hoop. Um, Taller guy, could get his shot off pretty easily. Um, So he he was up there even though he plays for the boys in blue over there in Ann Arbor. um, Another guy up there for me um, a couple years ago from Purdue, Ryan Klein kinda a weird shot, but the dude could shoot, man. I mean, you saw him in the NCAA tournament twenty nineteen against um Tennessee and uh Virginia, just absolutely clipping. Uh, he was like this whole career. Um if he was had an inch of space he was probably gonna make the shot. Um and staying in Indiana guy that was one of the best free throw shooters as well, Jordan Hulls, um literally just a pure shooter, didn't really do much else. Um, I mean, he made like 45 free throws in a row over a course of like three years, probably because he didn't step inside the three-point line. Um, definitely a great shooter for the Hoosiers, played for, I, I think he played for uh, Ho- oh, Samson and for Crean, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, those are my five right there. Those are all really
0: good choices. Um, I'll count mine down from five. number five from my rankings to the best, and mine are um, all pretty much from probably before, right? yeah, they're all from before Ryan was born more from when I was probably his age, um, teenager up. So number five for me, Michigan guy or not, Glenn Rice, 6'8", sharpshooter from Flint Northwestern. I mean, he literally carried Michigan to a natty back in 1989 with that pure shooting. And his 184 points in that tournament still stands as a record. I mean, that's crazy if you think about it. That um, that's 30, 30 points a game. Um, leading scorer in school history. His jump shot was picture perfect, and he shot 51.6% from three his senior year. I know the lines about a well, close to two feet closer or further out now, but still um, range for everybody's changed too. But Glenn Rice, number five for me. Number four, Cal Cheney, Indiana. Uh, another big guy, bigger guy, wings guard, six seven bucket getter from Evansville. He was on some of the last truly consistently great Bob Knight and IU teams in the early 1990s. Leading scorer in school history. Um, career. In fact, I think he's a leading scorer in Big Ten history. Career 44% shooter from three. Average no less than 17.1 points per game over his college career. Sweet shooting lefty. Um, Makes a great cameo as well in blue chips. Number three for me, Scott Skiles, Michigan State. I was a little bit younger. But I got to see him play in high school. Lived in Indiana when he was there. Dude was the pride of Plymouth, Indiana. Um, Judd Heathcote almost missed him when he went to scout because he was like, "Who's this small, slow white guy?" I don't, know. I'm, I don't need anybody like that. And then he went off, and I think it was against a Gary team in the Indiana high school state finals. Scored, I think close to forty in a double overtime win. State championship back before they had classes. Smaller guard. He shot over fifty one percent for his MSU career and three years of that had no three-point line. Um, his only year was uh, that had one was an experimental year, and that was his freshman year, so he wasn't shooting as much. I mean, his range was legendary, and so was his trash talk. If they had the three ball, he'd be by far, I think, the number one scorer in Michigan State history. I mean, his points per game average, I believe, is pretty close to 18, 19 a game over his career at Michigan State, again, without the three ball. So, throwing the three ball we're probably talking low to mid 20s for that average side note not as a shooter holds the nba record for assists in a game with 30 when he played with the magic so scotty skiles he's my number three number two you forgot you guys have probably heard me talk about him a little bit here on the pod steve alford indiana uh, one of my childhood hoops heroes growing up in central indiana Um, alford only had the three ball his senior year 1987 that's a year that he and scotty didn't overlap but shot an astounding 53% that year for um, that national championship season. And he only shot 47% from two. So he was that much more of a clipper from three. He also was just uh, a hair under 90% from the charity stripe for his career. Um, I earned the nickname Steve Alford on a playground that I would play on. And when I was way undersized and not nearly good enough to play with some of the guys I could play because I could shoot free throws, I had hair like Steve Alford. They called me Steve Alford. But anyway, his 12- to 15-foot wing shot off the glass, um, that part of his game was a sight to behold. I'd still love to play him in a game of horse and just lose to him on five straight shots at that. Number one, I've talked about this guy before, too, in the vein of Michigan State, Sean Respert. All four years that I was at Michigan State, flat out the best shooter I've ever seen in person. Um, Pure doesn't even begin to do his jumper justice. Easily the least heralded of all uh, the five of these guys coming out of high school. But his game was electric um, as a part of MSU's fire and ice backcourt combo. He was second in the Big Ten history in scoring. He's first, and I believe still, in points scored in Big Ten games. Over 1,500 of his points came in uh, Big Ten games. Leading scorer at Michigan State. Shot 45% for his career from three, 86% from the line. And even though he was clearly the guy to shut down on those Michigan State teams, which were good teams, Um, I mean, you could lock in on him and he could still easily pop off for 30 plus at any moment. I remember a game where I think he had 30, maybe even 33 in the second half at Chrysler to beat Michigan, um, either his junior or senior year. Just flat out phenomenal. All right, we've covered a lot of ground. So let's end as we always do with a quick sprint and have a little bit more fun with it, a little bit less on the, the topics of the day. Um, Ryan, Chips Ahoy or Oreo? I'm an Oreo guy. Best war movie? Saving private, Ryan. Will there ever be a three-point shooter as pure as Steph? The rate we're going right now, no. I don't think so. And just because this fits in so nicely with my rant, would you get the COVID vaccine if that was the only way to go to an MSU football game this fall? I would not. All right. For me, uh, that's a tough one, but I'll go Oreo, vanilla, or chocolate. Got to be double stuff. And all those other crazy flavors. Just get rid of all that shit. I don't even know why you need that. Best war movie for me, Saving Private Ryan, is a classic. There's there's actually so many, but I got to go with Hacksaw Ridge. Um, just a phenomenal movie. Uh, will there ever be a three-point shooter as pure as Steph? No. I, I just don't think so. I mean, with his range, with his stroke, with... I mean, th- no. Um, and you all know what I... Think about this last one, but I, I think we established it pretty well up top. Um, no, hell no. Uh, all right, Ryan, give us some final social media reminders.
1: Yep, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, still trying to grow this thing, so tell your friends. Um, you know, vouch for us. Uh, we'd love to hear that. Uh, next week's episode, we're gonna have a little fun. Um, bring on special guest, uh, one of my good pals. You know who you are. You listen, uh, but we'll. We'll get to that, cross that bridge when we get to it next week. Um, we're going to talk NFL draft mainly next week, so um, should be fun. So looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, shout out to Ryan's uh, teammate, Devin, for the uh, In the Senior Video tribute thing. You might not know about Ryan, that he's part of the up-and-coming podcast in America. Love the love there, Devin. Haven't got a chance to meet you, but if you listen to the show, you must be a good dude. Um, that's it for this week. We're looking at, like Ryan said, a pre-draft special next week. Um, Depends on the day, depending on our guest and Ryan's schedule. We'll talk a little MSU spring game too that happens this weekend. Um, As Ryan said, share your likes, your dislikes, your ideas, courses you want us to rate, courses you want us to play and you'll pay for, etc. via our Twitter. Thank you again to Team Andrews Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, remember, I've seen you guys can shoot, but there's more to the game than shooting. There's fundamentals in defense.